Coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the 28th of August, 2022, developing an accurate picture of yourself. We've been doing a series on uh, first being born in Christ and then growing in Christ. And I, I want to do sort of a subset this Sunday and next Sunday on toward an, actu- an accurate picture of yourself. An accurate picture of yourself. And I invite you to begin by turning with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Matthew, chapter 16. And you go, well, what is this accurate picture of yourself all about? Well, in other contexts, maybe somebody would say, what is your self-image? But that's not really where we're going, but that's close. Okay? How should we perceive ourselves? How should we see ourselves as believers? If you're familiar with public school, and I don't mean just currently, but as it was in days beyond your, like when I went to school, junior high school was horrible. Horrible. And the reason, one of the reasons it was horrible, it was because of peer pressure. It seemed like everybody had something to say about everybody else. And you really wanted to fit in because you're trying, you're moving from being a kid to a place where you're trying to find your way and becoming your own person. And everybody had an opinion about you. When we started homeschooling, and we had the kids at home. One of the questions that was asked us is about, what about socialization? Aren't you going to be, how are the kids, you know, they're not going to be around other kids to socialize. And I said, do you know what they call that in junior high? They don't call it socialization. They call it peer pressure. <laughs> they have all those kids saying, this is the way you ought to be. This, and describing you one way or another. What we see Something in my takeoff passage here is concerning the person of Christ. Now, we know from Scripture what the Bible says about Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ asks a question in Matthew chapter 16. He had fed the 5,000, he had preached to them, he had taught them, he had performed miracles. And in Matthew chapter 16, after feeding the 5,000, moving around to the other side of, of the lake, there were those who were demanding that he performs other miracles. And Jesus then talks to his disciples. 
And in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say who I am? And Jesus has already been teaching and preaching and performing miracles. But he turns to his disciples and he says, so what's the opinion of others? Who do they say that I am? And they said, some say, John the Baptist. Another said, Elijah. And others, Jeremiah. Or one of the prophets. And this was just on the person of Jesus Christ. And he revealed who he was. And he said already who he was. Yes. But there were others out there that said, well, I think he's this. No, I think he's that. He's got to be one of those, a prophet. Or he's got to be a specific prophet like Elijah or Jeremiah. Then Jesus turns a question to them and he says, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, good old Simon Peter. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And we go, oh yeah, such a good passage right there. Simon said the right thing at the right time. But listen to what Jesus said. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, you got it right because the Father gave it to you to get it right. So we want to look at who we are and how we get it wrong and how we get it right. Okay? So we're, we're going to look a little bit at the issue of sources. And the first place we go for information about us and developing a picture of who we are and understanding who we are is often gleaned from others. We get our information from others, and they're driven by certain kinds of motives. And we'll look at both of these things. Think about it now for a moment. Jesus had asked his disciples, who do others say that I am? And they said, well, some say this and some say that. And then he says, who do you say that I am? And he says, you only gave the right answer because God gave that answer to you. And my conclusion, just to skip to the end of the message, is that's where we get the right information about ourselves as well. But let's look at some of the problems that we run into in trying to glean an understanding of who we are, a correct understanding of who we are, is oftentimes we turn to those around us to give us that kind of information. 
it might be a casual acquaintance, maybe someone we bump into, and we may not ever see them again in life, but they say something and it sticks in our head about who we are. Boy, you're pretty. Don't know them from Adam. We don't know their frame of reference or anything, but they go, yeah, you're pretty. And you go, I must be pretty. Somebody I didn't even know says I'm pretty. So I must be pretty. But more often than not, it's the other way around. My, your ears stick out. Did you get those from Dumbo? And you go, oh man, I wonder if I can get some scotch tape. And so we start to draw pictures about who we are from others. Even if it's a casual acquaintance, even if they don't really, our paths never cross again, that thing that is said sticks in our head. But maybe it isn't a casual acquaintance. More often not, the devastating ones are there are peers, people who are around, and we talked about peer pressure a little bit here. But just think of all the things that people will give us insight into ourselves based on not only what somebody else says and does, but how we evaluate what they say, what, how we take that in. We might have a teacher come up to us and go, man, you're really a great student. Or this paper you wrote, I was so impressed. And the kid goes, I think I'll become a writer. Because that word of affirmation. But we've seen it turn around, whether mom or dad sometimes will say something to us. And we know that there are situations where those situations are not good. And mom and dad will cut down their kid. And that kid lives with that for, for the rest of their life sometimes. You will never amount to anything. What devastating words. What comments. And even someone who is close, like a, a mom or dad, can they really know us? Do they know what's going on in our heart? What we're thinking? What we're longing for? If you would only tell me. <laughs> you know, but... A lot of times a person doesn't say those things and it doesn't register. And so someone will give us comments about ourselves and act like a mirror to us. And the mirror is all messed up. It could have been one of those houses of, of mirrors where it's all distorted. And we look at it and we go, that's an accurate picture of me. But it's not. first question when it comes to information is, do they really know you? When they give their opinion about you, when they say something of you, do they really even know? Jesus talked about it in the best of contexts in 1 Corinthians 13, when he's talking in that love chapter, he says, we know in part and we prophesy in part. 
And he talks about when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Well, he's talking about this understanding of our nature and relationship with God. But even in that good context, we only know in part. What about these casual acquaintances? What about our peers? What about even family members? Do they know everything? Are they coming with full knowledge? Of course not. They can't. But even more devastating is their motives. The question is, when they share this good information with you, and I put good in quotes here, when they share this good information, do they really care about you or more about themselves? Are they thinking about your well-being and speaking truth to it, or are they just sharing? Some may put you down, say something mean and nasty to you, because if they do, that'll make you look good. Even if you're doing something right, they could say, oh, it's goody two-shoes, you know, you just... And they're putting you down about doing something that's good. Oh, you're mommy's kid. You got to get back home by 11 or whatever. And they will challenge and press. And their, their motive is all wrong. They don't, they're not looking out to give you an accurate report about how you are and how you're doing so well in the world and, and be truthful. Their motives are more interested in exalting themselves and possibly hurting you in the process so that they can get a leg up. And the other question comes is, um, are they coming from a place of wholeness themselves? They're probably messed up too. And you're looking to them to get an accurate report about you when they're not even accurate about them. And so they're speaking out of their issues of life. And are they willing to speak the truth to you? Are they going to say what's really true to you? Even someone with a good motive might be hesitant to speak the truth to you. As they go, if I say that to them, will they be hurt? Will they be devastated by that? Your breath stinks. That's the truth. Well, I better not say that because they, they would be devastated by that. Say, would you like a mint? <laughs> anyway, Paul charges the church at Philippi with these words. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also the interests of others. But not everybody's motivated that way. In fact, the fact that it's in the passage 
and Paul is challenging the church to do this indicates that it didn't come naturally to them. Everybody looks to their own interests, don't look to the interests of others. And it would be bad enough if this was all there was to giving a report about who we are. But we've got other problems too. We also have ourselves. And you go, well, of course I'm going to give a good report about myself. Are you? What about information? Well, I'm going to speak the truth about me. Who knows me better than me? Well, the Lord says there's issues here sometimes. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3, he says, If anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So we can be self-deceived in the process of evaluating ourselves. How many have looked in the mirror and given yourself a good report? Or more like James, looked in the mirror and then walked away and forget what manner of man you were because you didn't want that image that you saw. And so you sort of push what's true aside at that point. So we might deal with pride. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says, pride goes before destruction, haughty spirit before fall. And it says, watch out. You can think you're something that you're not. Be careful. Be careful. Sometimes we act as a screen. We talked about the problem of others sharing information and driven by different motives when they speak things into our life. But we have to be careful too with our reception of what's shared because sometimes we only receive those things that are good. Some might come and say, you know, got an issue in your life here. I'd like to help you work on that. Who do you think you are? Really? You're going you're gonna to correct me? Well, I can turn around and I can give you a half a dozen things that are wrong with you. And so what happens then is we'll only accept those things that are, that are good. That when someone praises us, we won't take any criticism whatsoever. So the issue then is the information coming in has already been screened. But does this make for good understanding and accurate picture of ourselves? Yeah. Have you ever compared yourself to someone else? Well, at least I'm not as bad as. Yeah. We're susceptible, aren't we? Certainly are. Jesus said something interesting. He says, 
Sometimes you're willing to believe selective groups as opposed to others. How many times, maybe some of you this is true, had somebody tried to share the gospel with you before you came to know the Lord and you just, you heard something about Jesus, you heard something about God, you heard something about getting saved and, and your defenses went up and you go, well, anything to do with that. Someone was trying to share with you. Jesus said this in John chapter 5. He says, I have come in my Father's name. And he says, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you accept him well. You just welcome him in. But I, I come in my Father's name and you won't receive me. But you'll receive them. He says, how can you believe when you receive glory from another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. Selective hearing. None of us as kids had selective hearing, did we? Can be a problem when it comes to building a true picture, an accurate picture of yourself. And sometimes... When somebody shares something with us and it's accurate and we go a long way to having an influence on developing an accurate picture of ourselves, we can't handle the truth. We can't handle the truth. So our motive is, no, 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 I don't want to hear that. Jesus, when he was talking to religious leaders of the day in John chapter 8, he says, don't you understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my words. You can't bear to hear them. He says, you're of the father, your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. In other words, your, your life is headed in this direction for somebody to speak against it even though it's the truth, you reject out of hand. And because you reject out of hand, and because it was the truth, you're cut off from an accurate picture about who you are and what needs to happen in your life. He says, Satan was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks of his own character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. And your will is to do your father's desire. Oh. So we see the problem with others is do they really know us? Not really, they only know in part. Their motives are all wrong. They care more about themselves than, than they care about you. What bully on the, on the school ground or in the office or any place like that says, you know, my heart really goes out to these people that I'm bullying. It doesn't happen that way, does it? And then we have a problem ourselves. We're screening off information that may be valuable to us, but we won't receive it because it doesn't fit 
the way that we want to live and how we want to go. So we're self-deceived and we can't handle the truth. Well, there's a couple sources there and they're big. I mean, we're inundated with what the world has to say. You're not tall enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You're not whatever. And so consequently, we take those external attributes that are thrown at us by the world and, and, and we screen those right on in. We accept them as gospel when they're not. Satan loves to destroy us and he will speak lies to us as if they're the truth. And the question is, do we listen to them or not? You can see a real problem here then in getting an accurate picture of yourself and the reason why I do not talk about a good self-image is because self messes up the image. That's why I say, what is an accurate picture of ourself? And for that, we need the Lord. Let's go to the element of information. Who knows us? Hmm. In Hebrews chapter 4, we're familiar with the passage that talks about the the word of God being like a sharp two-edged sword. And Hebrews 4 says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of, to, of him to whom we must give an account. He says, there is someone who knows us and knows us well. the psalmist David put it in poetry this way O Lord you have searched me and known me you know when I, rise, when I sit down and when I rise up you discern my thoughts from afar you search out my path and my lying down and you're acquainted with all my ways even before a word is on my tongue behold O Lord you know it all together you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand on me Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Nothing is hidden from God. And we say, if we want an accurate picture of ourselves, we better go to the one who has an accurate picture of us. And if we want an accurate picture, it better be the truth. It better be the truth. I was telling Sunday school class tomorrow, going to see a um, neurosurgeon, and he's going to tell me what about this tumor I have in my head. And uh, 
He's a, they've already been MRIs and tests done and everything. And he may just say, seems to be doing okay right now. Let's just pass on it. Could say, oh, no, we need to move on, do some surgery, get rid of that thing or whatever. But what if he says, oh, man, you need surgery. But I know that you really don't want surgery, so I'm not going to tell you. He says, hey, everything is going to be okay. You'll do all right. Would he be speaking the truth to me? Would it be helpful to have an accurate picture of who I am, an accurate understanding of who I am and what I'm dealing with? No. If he does not speak the truth, I cannot understand myself properly. Of course, Jesus said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, in the life, no one comes to the Father except me. And then John 8, 46. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why don't you believe me? If I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? So we know that there is a God who knows us well, better than we know ourselves. There's not anything hidden from him. He knows us accurately, so he's not basing his his understanding of who we are on limited information or information that is driven by uh, faulty motives because the second part of this, his motives are pure. He loves us best. If God didn't love us, he could certainly speak truth into our lives. But then he could write us off. Wouldn't care. First John chapter 4 and verse 10. He says this is love. Not that we have loved God. But that he loved us and sent his son. To be the propitiation for our sins. The satisfaction for our sins. He loved us enough to do something about it. So we say well. Pastor Tim what. What is the purpose of this message? He said, if we're going to have a true understanding of who we are, we have got to turn down the volume of the world speaking into our lives. We've got to turn down the volume of Satan whispering in our ears. We've got to stop giving the flesh free reign in our lives to speak what it does. And we have got to go to the source which tells us accurately who we are. And that is God alone. He's the only one who knows us completely. He's the only one who loves us fully no mixed motives when he does. What does he have to gain? He's not going to put us down so he can exalt himself. Not going to do that. But how many times we'll talk to individuals and we talk to ourselves for that matter 
and accept this bit of information from somebody and this bit of information against from somebody and we don't screen it from God's word and what's the truth and we just take it in and then we don't have a good picture of ourselves. So my purpose in this message is to prep you for the next one. Okay? Lord willing, we haven't been caught up into heaven by that time. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about what does the Lord say about you? If we've already discerned that we have no other source to turn to to find out what and who we are and have an accurate picture of it, then the only place we can go is to the Lord. We better know what the Lord has to say. So by God's grace, we are going to turn to that third avenue of information and see what does the Lord say about accurately who we are. Come next week, Lord willing, it's a blessing to know what God has to say because it's unfiltered. It's the truth. And it's the best information that you will ever have about yourself. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you didn't leave us floundering trying to figure out our way in the world, trying to figure out who we are, what we're about, and drawing information that is limited and faulty and the motives are, are skewed and messed up. No wonder we can get so messed up. But you speak truth into our lives. In your hearts, deliverance is encased in love. You are a great God. Some of the things you say to us are hard, but they're the truth. And because they're truth, they can have an impact on us for good, even when they're hard. And Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. That we can find refuge in you. And even though you know us so well, that is not a cause for us to pull back from you because you love us so well as well. And we give thanks in the name of your Son, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.